You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello and welcome back to the Press Zone podcast right here on the AHL Report, part of Rocket Sports Media and, of course, a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, Welcome back to the show. If you are a new listener or a returning listener, we are glad that you're here. Uh, My name is Amy Johnson. I'm your host of the show. I'm also the lead correspondent here at AHLReport.com. And uh, here during the summer months, it's kind of exciting because we, you know, all year long, we have a regular recurring weekly segment called the AHL Hot Stove, uh, in which uh, the one and only Patrick Williams uh, joins us for that segment. Here in the summertime, in the off season, we kind of make it an expanded segment and Patrick joins us uh, for the entire show. And it's one big AHL Hot Stove uh, where we'll catch up on Laval news uh, and Habs prospect news when it is Uh, relevant and available in the offseason but overall just kind of keeping track of everything going on in the league in this exciting time of the year and so I welcome back to the studio again uh, this week Patrick Williams how are you good how are you and uh, yeah emphasis on the word summer Uh, (laughs) we're now fully into the uh, not the not official summer months but uh, summer for all intents and purposes both countries have now officially celebrated their unofficial start of summer so yes I think uh, I think we're good to go. Definitely the summer months uh, means that uh, we've got lots, uh, b- despite the fact that it's the summer months, temperatures are, are, are way up there. Um, we are still experiencing hockey. Um, NHL is just wrapping their conference final series and getting ready for the Stanley Cup playoffs to begin, uh, the Stanley Cup final to begin uh, later this weekend. But the AHL still uh, still going strong with their conference final series. Uh, Patrick and I are going to get you caught up on where that stands for both Western and Eastern Conference uh, here in the first segment. We're also going to talk about another bit of exciting hockey that just wrapped up this week was the IIHF Men's World Championships. And it was actually... Quite a remarkable tournament this year. Uh, a lot of surprises, a lot of upsets, a lot of excitement, a lot of drama, and a lot of AHL players making uh, a big impact for their countries uh, in in the worlds this year. So Patrick and I are going to break that down a little bit and talk about some of those names that, if you watch the worlds, you probably heard them quite often. You might not know that they're big. They're that those guys are a big deal in the AHL. Um, and then after we take a break and uh, take a, a listen to a word from our sponsors, when we uh, come back in the second segment. 
Patrick and I are going to break down a little bit of uh, a rumor and speculation that's coming out today that the Washington Capitals are, are inching very close to naming uh, a new head coach uh, to be hired. And he's a name that AHL fans uh, would certainly be familiar with. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk a bit about who who this gentleman is and why, if this is uh, does to turn into reality, uh, why he would be a really key addition to uh, the Washington Capitals organization. So, Patrick, I think we're going to have I think we're going to have some fun conversations today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it uh, and to just uh, jump on the that report about uh, Washington, right? And it goes to show you why everything that happens down at this level, and, you know, we hammer this point week in and week out that, you know, it really eventually trickles right up to the NHL. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of the chance uh, to to learn about these coaches, these players, executives, whatever the case may be early, right? And, like, really start to, you know, learn them. And then, you know, you see them make that jump to the NHL ahead of the crowd so uh, that's the cool thing i think about the, the, the one of the cool things about the ahl absolutely uh so i am looking forward to to chatting about that um and and getting our listeners up to speed on on what could be some very big nhl news coming uh we'll do that in the second segment first uh we've got two calder cup conference final series happening uh at the moment uh we have finally reached as we said last week uh the best of seven series um and it's the Hershey Bears versus the Rochester Americans, the two oldest teams in the league facing off against one another for the Eastern Conference Final, as well as the Coachella Valley Firebirds versus the Milwaukee Admirals in the Western Conference Final. Uh, as it stands right now, Hershey is leading Rochester uh, three games to one uh, in their series. They uh, That means Rochester will be facing elimination when they play on Wednesday night. Uh, so they'll need a win in Hershey in order to stay alive uh, in that series. Coachella Valley has a two games to one lead over Milwaukee. Uh, They play their next game on Thursday. Uh, So at that point, either the team, either uh, that series is going to get tied up or Coachella Valley could go up for their own three to one lead uh, and have Milwaukee facing elimination. Um, Patrick, I think for, for me in general, the overall, um, feeling um a i was surprised that rochester came out very strong and took the first win handily uh against hershey in that series now granted it's been it's been three consecutive hershey wins after that but both of these series have actually been quite competitive we've we've not seen any indications of of any of these four teams going away easily no um and we're at that stage now where you really have separated you know right like the the real the real contenders from the teams that really were pretenders so to speak sure and um i think even now like you're starting to see a little bit of separation like hershey for example like mm-hmm. they had a really really bad game one but once they made adjustments we've seen now three games in a row where they've been pretty dominant um all three of them have been wins um they've largely bottled up what had been a really an explosive uh, Rochester attack. Um, Rochester power play had been 7 for 12 against uh, Toronto in their previous series and now is uh, 
no rolls and seven chances um, on the power play against Hershey. So you really start to, even with it this at this stage of the playoffs, you start to see that separation of uh, you know teams that are good versus teams that are really good, right? And um, yeah, um, and Coachella Valley to some extent. I mean, that's been a little bit of a stranger series. It's been back and forth, and you know their goaltender Yaroslav Askarov uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, first round pick, uh, strong rookie season, but um, Coachella Valley picked him apart a little bit in the first two games. Mm-hmm. Um, he got um, replaced for game three by Devin Cooley, who came in, played fantastic, and um, kind of really turned that series around. So um, that that that's a little bit of you know of a, of a different type of feel of that series, but. Uh, you know, at this stage, right, like you're seeing the real heavyweights. And this is why it would have been it would have been nice, I think, to see Coachella in Calgary, for example. Go oh, and, yeah. You know, play a conference final, best of seven, with a trip to the Calder Cup on the line. Because, I mean, for my money, those were um, by far the two best teams in the West. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, I mean, the format is what it is. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was... Uh, um, we're just at a great stage. You know, this is like the conference final for me is in some ways my favorite part of the playoffs. Like I understand a lot of people like the first round. I get that. I think that's more of an NHL thing though. Yeah. Uh, in the HL, I, I don't think it's as much just because it's so much of a bigger field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by, by the time you get now to the conference final, right? Like you really are down to, you know, the top teams, um, everybody has their roster intact. Like you're not dealing with call-ups at this point. Um, all four teams, NHL parent clubs are done. So you're really seeing some kind of like best on best. And, uh, you know, I think it just makes for really great hockey. It does. Um, and I, and we had talked about that, uh, you know, it, it was, it was unfortunate that we knew at the end of the division, uh, the division final rounds that one of Coachella Valley or Calgary would be exiting the Calder Cup playoffs just because of how 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 the setup goes um the two top teams in the league so yes uh it was unfortunate to see Calgary go the top team in the league however if Calgary had not been eliminated team Latvia would not have had Christian Rubens available uh defenseman for the Calgary Wranglers as soon as their season ended he joined team Latvia uh over in Tampere uh Finland for the WIHF men's world championship uh and we know what an exceptional and historic uh run Latvia went on to uh take their first medal in WIHF play Christian Rubens having, oh my goodness, uh, what an impact and a key addition to that Latvian team at the last minute uh, because of the Calgary Wranglers being eliminated from the Calder Cup playoffs and was instrumental in them getting that bronze medal. Yeah, isn't it weird just how like things unfold, right? Like the month of May began, Christian Rubens is with Calgary. Um, he's in a playoff series against Abbotsford, with Arter Seeloffs, they knock Abbotsford out of the playoffs, which frees up Seeloffs to go early uh, to the Worlds. Mm -hmm. Calgary gets bounced a couple weeks later. Um, You know, a team that most people thought was uh, the top contender for the Calder Cup. They get bounced in five games. Rubens gets a phone call. Hey, hurry on over. 
to Europe. Uh, we need you, right? And um, to his credit, gets on a plane, gets right over there, uh, jumps in the lineup, and now becomes uh, kind of a national hero in Latvia. And as like, well as Arthur Silovs. As well as Arthur Silovs. <laughs> so, you know, you see, you know, I watched some of that. Uh, they had a big rally uh, in downtown Riga yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I watched some of it, you know, and obviously, you know, the language is, you know, a little bit beyond me, but uh, <laughs> you picked up the gist of it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just pretty wild to see, like, two guys, like, a few weeks ago who were battling in the age, you know, Calder Cup playoffs, you know, way off in North America. Right. And now here they are in the middle of, you know, downtown Riga, you know, and, and like for anyone that doesn't kind of know, um, the location there was at the freedom monument, mm. um, which was, uh, first, uh, you know, it's, it's almost a hundred years old. Um, it was, uh, you know, put up to sort of commemorate the, the battle for, uh, Latvia's independence. Right. You know, Latvia right. has always been in, you know, one of those countries that's had to really fight really hard for that. And, you know, it's always uh, kind of been in a diff- difficult spot in that sense. And, um, you know, they obviously they were part of the Soviet Union all the way up until 1991. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's it's a huge, huge story for that country. Right. Like that country is, you know, still, you know, in, in terms of hockey terms, only, you know, 30 years old, really, like in terms of being on its own. And now they're, you know, they're going to the worlds and like, they're not only competing, like they're, they're matching up with the best of the best. Right. Like, and, you know, so, um, those guys, I mean, my gosh, like they're going to be household names in, in all of Latvia. Right. You know, and it's just a great story. Like, it's really like why you watch sports, why you watch hockey, like for those types of stories, you know, like, and then they sort of add that element of like, you know, the bigger picture, right? Like beyond hockey and like kind of what it means for a country that's, you know, had to really battle uh, for its own identity and uh, its own freedom and independence and sovereignty, right? Like, and, you know, you know so, you know, hockey's not obviously on the same level as that, but, but it's, it's in some ways representative. And, uh, you know, so it's really cool. Like it was a really neat ceremony they had. And, oh my gosh, it looked like, I don't know how many people there was national <laughs> in Latvia. Uh, so, you know, they, it was they, a big uh, deal. Yeah. And they, was, uh, they uh, you know, they, they, they declared it like, you know, I think 15 minutes before midnight, like the day before. And so, you know, like they had the players there, like the plane landed, like all the people were in downtown Riga watching the plane come in, you know, to the airport. Then the, the players come over from the airport downtown. And yeah, it's just a really, wild story and it, it's it's funny seeing like some of these guys that like you watch in the AHL right like maybe they're playing in front of like you know small crowds oh, yeah and you know middle of the season kind of just uh you know regular season game and then you see them in this like in this context where you know they're you know you know household names like overnight in in, in a country like Latvia that's crazy about hockey right and yeah like, it's always you know you know really fired up for it and um now they sort of get their moment in the sun i think that was really cool well and they become household names in the hockey community in general really because um arthur silovs i mean he he ended up getting goaltender of the tournament uh uh, award from the double ihf i mean if you didn't know who arthur silovs was 
prior to Worlds and that he was the Abbotsford Canucks goaltender in the Vancouver Canucks development system, you certainly do now. Or if yeah. you don't realize it, suddenly when he gets called up to Vancouver, you're going to say, oh, right, that is, wasn't that the kid that did that thing for Latvia? Yeah, right. Um, Christian Rubin's kind of doing the same the same thing, but really not this year seemed to be we know every year when they have the world championship we know that the roster is filled out with a decent amount of ahl guys mm -hmm. um and so it's not unusual to see ahl names on the roster but i don't know it just seemed this year that ahl players made such a more noticeable overall impact for their mm -hmm. country's teams uh, we had guys like Rocco Grimaldi, J.J. Paterka for Germany. What a gem. Uh, Team Germany has got to be loving that they have J.J. Paterka, which, you know, if you didn't realize that John Paterka is J.J. Paterka, they are the yeah. same guy. Uh, T.J. Tynan won the, the, the AHL scoring leader uh, award two years running. Um, Michael Carcone. I mean, Patrick, just can you speak a bit to... What it, what it means to the AHL for um, to, to have players of this caliber in the league if regular AHL fans weren't aware already of how big of a deal these guys were. But also just it's that it's, you know, what they do at the AHL also translates into hockey in a bigger and broader sense. Yeah, and it's it's. It's interesting to see them. Like, I think one of the cool things about Worlds is, you know, players aren't, you know, like in the NHL and the AHL, right? like you're kind of put into a certain role, right? Like you're you're the guy that does this, you're the guy that does that. And here, like, you know, you get a team that's put together for, you know, two or three weeks. So, you know, it's a lot more, it's a, much more of an opportunity for a player to kind of uh, break out of those, you know, those roles and try something different and take on different opportunities. And, you know, like a lot of times when you see AHL players call up to the NHL, they're playing fourth line. They're not really getting prime opportunities. They're not getting power play time. Well, now you see them like, you see like your TDA time, for example, taking huge key draws late in the period, you know, mm -hmm. in a period of a, you know, close game, right? Like he's playing, you know, power play time. He's playing top minutes, right? Like, you know, and, and Carcone's playing a different role. Like, it's, you know, it's really cool in that regard. And, like, mm -hmm. you start to see, like, just how thin that line is, really, between the AHL and the NHL in terms of opportunity, in terms of what these players could do. And just, you know, we've talked about this time and time again. Like, so many guys at this level kind of get put into a certain role. And if they're not able to, to get somebody in their corner that will, you know, put them into a different role, you can get pigeonholed very easily. Right. And, you know, this is a chance now where you go over there, there's kind of like, you know, it's a fresh start. It's a, just an opportunity to be viewed by different coaches, uh, viewed in a different way, um, play a different style. Um, you know, and I think that that's a really cool part. And like, you see these guys, they really break out like a Grimaldi, a Tynan, right? Like Brad Hunt, uh, who was the Eagle, Colorado Eagles captain. Mm-hmm played an important role for, for Team Canada. I mean, right on down the list, right? Like Seelov's that, obviously. You know, Christian Rubens, you know, was a guy that, you know, was, you know, traded midseason. He was in Belleville. He went to Calgary. You know, a guy that kind of just was, you know, viewed as, you know, maybe a, 
you know, not a top tier defenseman, even at this level. Now he goes in and like, he's playing huge minutes in overtime and, you know, winning games. And like, it's just really like, I think it's very instructive that you can't, you can't always view these players like, okay, this guy is X or this guy's Y, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're not always what you think they are. And so, you know, you look at like Seelofs, like, you know, a year ago, he was in the ECHL. Like, you know, he was in Trois Rivières. So, you know, maybe some listeners will remember him from there. Yeah. Um, you know, he was on loan for, from Vancouver. Like, just, you know, get some playing time. And, you know, he had a really nice breakout year in Abbotsford, was, but certainly wasn't dominant. Um, and he came in and just, you know, he got a chance to be the number one guy for Latvia. Yeah. And he with it, right? Like, I think that just, you know, gets his career shot in the arm and, you know, guys, you know, you just see like there's a, um, there's like a certain, I don't know, energy that comes, you know, and obviously like players are playing for their country and, you know, I think that, that adds another element, but uh, yeah, I just think it's really, it's really neat to see like a guy like TJ Tyne, a guy that's kind of always been viewed as, well, he's an undersized playmaker. He's great at the AHL level. Sure. He's been a back-to-back MVP. And that's all fine well, but yeah, he's no, nothing more than that. And now you're saying, well, well, maybe, yes, well right. maybe that's not correct. That's right. Maybe, he's, maybe he is more than that, right? Maybe he's just never really gotten a real real shot at things and the chance to play, not just to play in the NHL, but to play like, you know, in the role that fits him, right? Like, um, so that I think is what's um, one of the really cool elements. I mean, for me, Worlds is my favorite tournament um, of any just like every year it just puts on a real competitive show and like you know whether you're watching you know the top tier teams battling in the medal rounds or even some of the early early games you know like between the the, the smaller less heralded countries mm-hmm. we get pretty competitive hockey and you know it's also sort of a real like blend of the different styles like you're getting players from every league in the world pretty much um whether it's college or you know guys that play junior you know obviously the hl nhl get all the European leagues. So you get a real blend. Um, even, you know, some of the, the lower level European leagues. So it's, uh, I think it's a real, it's a real interesting lab for hockey and just sort of seeing how those different styles and those different roles all mesh together. I absolutely agree with you. And I do think, um, you know, the, the things that the AHL, level players are able to show in an international tournament like this could change and shape uh, how their respective organizations choose to try to deploy them perhaps in training camp uh, in mm-hmm. in the upcoming in the upcoming season so it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see how all of that kind of unfolds and it's always nice when AHL players do become a bit more of a household name uh, good, good, good on them, and 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 credit to to their hard work over in Tampere. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors at DraftKings and Raycon. It is the last couple of days uh, for our listeners to take advantage of that Raycon incentive just for the Press Zone listeners. Uh, that that uh, incentive does end at the end of May. So uh, take a listen to that. Make sure you jot it down and check it out. Take advantage of uh, getting a discount on some really great Uh, earbuds if you are in the market for that this summer and when we come back on the other side uh, we're going to talk a little bit about who is rumored to be very close to becoming the Washington Capitals brand new shiny head coach uh, and what an impact and 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 
really influence he had on the AHL and what the AHL has done to help him get to this point where he may become a head coach of the Washington Capitals. So don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Press Zone podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Think you know who's going to win between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers? Or maybe you're feeling a certain way about how Vegas or Seattle is going to do. Whatever your choice is, go to DraftKings Sportsbook and make your bets before round two begins. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and why 467369 in Kansas call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort KS 21 and over in most eligible states but age varies by jurisdiction eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for offer details see draftkings.com/sportsbook for details and state specific responsible gambling resources Let's face it, with coffee starting at five bucks, yes, even without any customizations, and our bank accounts somehow always depleting, we are officially entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing, but are priced differently solely based on the brand name. So a good duplicate, or dupe, is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on? Raycon Wireless Earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. Now, why would you want to spend a little bit less on earbuds? Well, because let's face it, getting good quality earbuds or headphones can sometimes really break the bank. And to find a product that has premium quality audio with tons of features at a really reasonable price is kind of one of those leprechauns that you want to take advantage of. Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of those other more big name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options, and right now you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks, and they offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews, and I have to say, I'm one of them. I am a Raycon user. I have a pair of the Everyday Earbuds, and they're just phenomenal. They are so comfortable. There are lots of different custom gel tips, so you get a perfect, really comfortable in-ear fit, uh, really good um, noise isolation. There's an awareness mode, so you can let some, some outside noise seep in if you want to be aware of what's going on around you. Customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, you name it, these earbuds have it. So, what to do now? Go to buyraycon.com THPN today 
and get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Once again, welcome back to the Press Own Podcast here on the AHL Report, part of Rocket Sports Media and the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, once again, I'm your host of the show, Amy Johnson. You can find me on Twitter at Flyers Rule. And I'm joined in the studio today by the one and only Patrick Williams. You can find him at P. Williams AHL. Uh, you can also read his feature articles that can be found at theahl.com. That's, of course, the AHL's official league website. Uh, he's also the AHL correspondent for NHL.com. Uh, and uh, you can check him out as there as well. Be sure you do that. Um, and of course, a quick reminder before we get into uh, our next topic, if you haven't already done so, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. Just tap that subscribe button while you're there. Tap the share button and share this episode on your favorite uh, social media platform. And uh, we'd be happy to have you join us each and every Tuesday all summer long. There's no we're not going anywhere, even though it's the off season. Uh, and uh, as Patrick, as 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 listeners can tell, there's plenty to talk about uh, during what is the off season for for the Habs and and the Laval Rocket. Uh, there's still plenty of other things happening, uh, so we have lots lots to talk about, including um, vacancies to be filled. And Elliot Friedman coming out this morning uh, with a tweet saying, "quote This will not come as a huge surprise to many, but hearing Washington is closing in on Spencer Carberry as its next head coach." End quote. Uh, Quick uh, look down memory lane. Uh, why does Spencer Carberry maybe sound familiar? Well, yes, he was an assistant coach uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But prior to that, he was a very successful head coach for the Hershey Bears in the Washington Capitals organization. Uh, and so it's looking very likely that he could be named uh, the next head coach. And in fact, Tarek El-Bashir saying that he is hearing that it could be a four-year deal for Spencer Carberry. We'll see if that ends up coming to fruition or not. Um, so Patrick, let's uh, let's jump on this a little early uh, and just uh, take a look at Spencer Carberry. Uh, he had uh, obviously a much bigger profile uh, behind the bench for the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, assisting uh, Sheldon Keefe there. Um, but why, you know, coming back potentially to the Washington organization, let's remind uh, listeners just what a tremendous coach Spencer Carberry was in the AHL uh, and and why this would be such a key addition to Washington if they got him behind the bench uh, for the big club. I mean, simply put, he's a winner, right? Like he's won um, his various stops where he's head coach, right? Like um, he had a great, you know, great tenure, really. Like he's interesting because he's like literally come up the the whole ladder of the Washington Capitals. Mm-hmm. So the ECHL with South Carolina. Uh, their ECHL affiliate. He went to to Hershey um, for three years. And now, you know, he's been with the Leafs for the past two years, ran a fantastic power play there that was, uh, you know, 
over uh, over twenty six percent in in the two years he was there. Obviously, yeah, there's some talent, but uh, he took that power play and made it even better. Um, he's been a winner. He's developed, um, and he's you know he's an excellent communicator. You know, and I was lo- looking back at some of my uh, some of my old work with him, and you know, just you know, one of the quotes that I really remember standing off from him is he's worked through the years to hone his message for players. Like, lo- like lots of coaches have an idea in their head of how they want to play, how they you know think things should be done, but they don't always communicate it effectively. Right. And, you know, his thing is, you know, the quote was exactly this. It was, it's a clear vision and a clear message that isn't convoluted or isn't wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like that confidence and believe in what I've done and the way that I coach, I think it helps. And that's growing from year one. I look back and you still have your ideas and how you want things done. But now I just think it's a much more polished and clear message. I grow as a coach every single day. And that I think is, is huge. Like he's just one of those coaches that does, he doesn't stop growing. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't kind of like settle, you know, on a certain way of doing things a year or two in and just kind of ride that you know, years and years, you know, like he's always, uh, always trying to find a little edge, like super intelligent. He's one of those, you know, I say this sometimes about different coaches I've met and he's one of those people, like if there was no such thing as hockey, there's no such thing as coaching, he would have been successful somewhere in life. Like he's just a bright, personable, um, charismatic guy, right? Like I think the players will, will love him there. Um, uh, he really understands that, um, um, you know, he understands how his message will land with players too. Like he's, you know, one of the things he always stressed was you can say something negative, right? Like you can pick apart a player's game, but you better be really sure how that's going to land with that specific player. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't have a one size fits all message. And, uh, you know, he's really good at that. You know, it's, it's one of those things, like when you say it, it's, it's obvious, but like actually executing that is, is a whole different story. Right. And, and right. You know, so he has excellent people skills, excellent um, intuition in terms of knowing how, knowing how people tick, right. And like knowing how a 20 or 21 year old ticks versus maybe a, a 28, 29 year old AHL veteran that's been kicked around the business and, you know, put on waivers and, released and bounced all over and you know like that message is going to be different and um, not every coach is able to to both understand that and also execute it and uh, he's an exception to that for sure and um, you know if you know, I have obviously no reason to, to to doubt anything Elliot Friedman says I mean mm-hmm. I think Friedman's saying it you can pretty much you know draft up the press release right now that's <laughs> the hiring um, but, you know, assuming that comes through, um, I think that this is an excellent, excellent hire uh, for the Washington Capitals. And like, you know, with uh, Tarek's report about, uh, you know, four-year deal, even better, right? Like they, you know, this, the next few years for the Caps are going to be really interesting, right? Like it's an aging team. Yes. Right? You have the, the Ovechkin aspect where, you know, he's chasing that, that record and, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to squeeze out whatever's left there, you know, uh, with him still on that roster, and so it's going to be a it's it's a challenge to walk into. Um, like it's not, 
it's not necessarily a conventional situation, but I think uh, a guy like Carberry, he's ready. Like he's he's done it. Like what's there what's there really left for him to prove? Mm-hmm. He's won at every level. He's had different roles. He's been an assistant coach now in the in the NHL. Done a fantastic job there. Like he's ready. Like and at some point, a guy has to get an opportunity. And I think uh, this is, um, you know, this is a great, great pick. Like a great blend of old school. Like I have a certain way of doing things, and I'm not going to compromise it on it. But that new school ability to um, really communicate well and uh, and know how that message is going to impact not just one player, but each of the twenty players that are in your roster in your lineup that night. Absolutely. And this for me is, you know, this is the prime example. We beat the drum constantly about how, uh, you know, the AHL works as a training and development league, not just for players, but for officials, for training staff, for coaches. Um, And this is a prime example of how that works when you put the effort in to training and developing um, someone as a coach. Uh, it's it's no secret that I was not a fan of how the Montreal Canadiens filled their coaching positions uh, last summer with, while I, get, I give them credit for thinking outside the box and, okay, we're going to take a different approach to cro- coaching uh, and we're going to bring in a bunch of guys that we think will be effective, however, have literally zero... Uh, pro coaching experience and in, and in many cases sometimes no coaching experience and sometimes only children <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and and you know it's still we are still in the phase of we'll see how that plays out for Montreal uh, Marty St. Louis has done an okay job in his first full season Stefan Robita added to the bench and so forth we'll see how all that plays out in this instance you have as you said this is a this is a this is a coach who did, paid his dues in the ECHL. He paid his dues in the AHL and succeeded in those places. Then graduated to the NHL as an assistant and and was successful in his role at that level and is now looking at taking that last final leap in the coaching business to an NHL bench boss. Um, and I just think, you know, no matter what, I think that that is an exceptional example and an accolade for the American Hockey League of 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 just illustrating it takes time, it takes patience, but if you work hard, you can make your way up through the ranks um, and, and come into the NHL with a boatload of experience. You know, like, and thank you for saying that because, like, that is, I feel like that's a lost art in today's world, like, not to sound like, you know, like back in my day, but like, <laughs> we live in a time now where like you can order up pretty much anything you want on your phone and it maybe shows up the next day on your doorstep, right? Like, and you know, you can punch up anything on the computer and have an answer in a second, right? You know, like, and there's, I don't think there's always an appreciation for like slow and steady growth and that things don't happen overnight, right? Like everybody wants an answer now. Everybody wants, you know, I mean, we see it. My gosh, I got, I got people saying like, do you think Shane Wright's a bust? Like, <laughs> because he's a healthy scratch at times in the playoffs. I'm like, well, you know, he's just turned 19 a couple months ago. 
and he's 19 and he's playing in the HL and it's a conference finals. Oh, and by the way, he's 19 mm -hmm. and you know, you know, or, or Matt Savoy just now with Rochester, right? Like, you know, he was uh, in the lineup for a couple of games. They pulled him out last night. And, like people were like, Oh, you know, like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, you know, it means that like you have a 19 year old trying to come into the, the conference final and jump in midstream and, um, learn that game on the fly and that pace and like, Oh yeah. Lo and behold, it just doesn't happen overnight. And like, I guess that's the AHL's strength and weakness at the same time. Like it's obviously the strength is, it's the ability to develop and to, to, to grow players. And yet it also has that mandate, that mission in a time where maybe that's not appreciated. Right. But as we've seen time and time and time again, like if you look at the best NHL teams, year in and year out, not the teams that catch fire here and there, but like the teams that are successful year in year out, the Tampa Bay's, right? Like, you know, the Leafs. You know, I know everyone, you know, is is, is down the Leafs right now, but they've had a lot of success. You know, you know, teams like that that develop. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks were a great example in the you know two thousand. Like they built that, you know, most of that bulk of that roster, you know, through the AHL. Duncan Keith right on down. Um, and people don't tend to want to see that. They just want, like, they want an answer right now. They want a guy to go straight from the NHL draft to the uh, NHL roster. and Instant gratification. Instant gratification. That's the word. Yeah, exactly. That's the phrase. And that's just not what real life is about. Like, you know, if you're looking for sustained long-term success, you have to take the path of a Spencer Carver. You have to be somebody that played, you know, division three hockey, right? Like right. he worked his way up. He was an assistant coach in the ECHL. He was, then he was a head coach. Then he went to the OHL for a year. Then he came back um, to the assistant role and then he went to, to the AHL in Providence. And then he was a head coach in Hershey for three years. Then he was a, an assistant in, in, in Toronto for two years, right? Like if you look back at his path, like he's been on this, this coaching path since 2010. Like that's 13 years mm -hmm. that he's been grinding away, putting, putting the work in, you know, people, I guarantee you when he's announced, people were like, Oh, he's this like young, you know, like, you know, no. overnight success. Like, <laughs> absolutely not. No, <laughs> not in any way, shape or form. He was a guy that like, he's now put in 13 years in the coaching game after being a player in the ECHL grinding away at that level. So like, yeah, I mean, it's... Um... And he comes with a full toolbox. Unlike, yeah. and, and I'm going to use, I'm, I, this is not to disparage Montreal's coaching staff, but Montreal's coaching staff is constantly put into situations where it's a situation that they've never faced as a coach. Sure. And as opposed to that, if you get Spencer Carberry behind the net and whomever he decides to fill in, you know, if there's other coaching changes, assistant coaches and so forth... With his experience, there are not going to be many situations that he hasn't already faced and kind of wargamed, what did I do right and what did I do wrong in those situations? This is this is part of the reason why, you know, it's the same for a player. You want a player mm -hmm. to experience every situation that they could possibly be faced with in the NHL before they take the ice in the NHL and to, and, and to know how to react to those things. You want a coach to do the same thing, and that's exactly what Spencer Carberry is coming to the table with. Exactly. Like, you know, he's been able to work with a variety of coaches. He worked with Kel McLean in, in South Carolina. He worked with Jay Leach in Providence. He's, he's worked with junior players. Like, you know, I remember a couple of years ago having a really good discussion with him about 
you know, what are the difference between really coaching in junior and coaching the AHL? And like, some of them are obvious differences. And then there's the more subtle ones where like, he felt like in the, in the OHL, like you don't really even get to coach your top players because you have to sort of just let them play and you have to spend a ton of time dealing with, you know, your players, you know, that are just hanging on, right. Like at that level, which is, you know, a good percentage of your roster in a lot of cases. And so, um, yeah, you look at like all the different experiences he's had. He's been that easy, like the ECHL is a fantastic place to learn the entire business really. Like as a head coach, you know, you're sort of coaching is only part of the game. You're dealing with, with everything you're dealing with, with immigration, you're dealing with housing, you're dealing with, you know, player logistics. I mean, I have known ECHL coaches that like, they're the guy that goes and picks somebody up at the airport, you know, when he's, you know, definitely lands in town, right? Like just things like that, like all those little details. So like you learn all these people skills, all these uh, uh, ability to, to change on the fly, to, to learn to adapt. Um, and I think it's just, a, you know, it's a fantastic um, environment you know, for, for young coaches. And like, you know, if you're really serious about it, like he clearly was, you, you can definitely, uh, you can go pretty far. Um, and then, you know, but it takes time. It takes patience. And like, this is a guy that's, you know, he's really bright. He's really smart. Even for him, it took a long time. And I think, but if you look at the success more often than not, it pays off. Right. Like, you know, he's even like, he coached in the pandemic year in the AHL, which, you know, as kind of disjointed as it was in a lot of ways, I mean, it was another uh, great opportunity. Like how do you coach a team where, there's really no motivation in terms of winning a cup, winning a championship, even making the playoffs, you know? And he did a great job with that, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like, how do you coach a, you know, you remember the schedule in, in, in that pandemic year. How do you coach when you're you're facing the same three teams? Well, yeah. <laughs> All season long, <laughs> right? Like, you know, like, how do you learn to both um, help your players adapt to the other team? And, and how do you learn to coach against, you know, the same three coaches who, you know, are learning what you're doing, right? Like, so he's just had a little bit of everything, right? Like he's, he's just a guy that had to grind his way through the entire business and, and earn everything he got. And, you know, like good for him. Like now he's you know, going to have you know, the goal that he worked for, for all these years, you know, really going back 20 plus years, you know, since he, he, will, he was a, you know, division three player. And uh, here he is all these years later. And, now he's going to be one of 32 people in the uh, in the entire hockey world as an NHL head coaching job. It's a, it's a really special moment. And as we said, nothing is official yet, but if Elliot Friedman is, is certainly hearing it, uh, then it's more than likely going to be a done deal soon enough. So you have heard it here first, the background on Spencer Carberry, not just, oh, an assistant coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, and so this, I think, Patrick, very, very... Uh, great information to share with our listeners uh if you're hearing this and and this is something that you think more of your hockey friends uh should also hear about then don't forget to hit that share button and uh that's going to wrap it up for us this week would uh we'll be keeping an eye on on an announcement from washington we'll be keeping an eye on the calder cup playoffs to see how things evolve as we start to inch our way closer to a calder cup final series uh and patrick i can't thank you enough of course for being here again with us this week 
always a pleasure. Thank you. And we are uh, also grateful that you are here with us this week, all of you listening out there. Don't forget to tap the subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And don't forget to mark your calendar for next week, next Tuesday, for another exciting episode of the Press Own Podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of the Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.